As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Yo! Running out of time, chasing down a finish line, it ain't over till it's over and the line ain't on your side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, how you doing, bud? I'm cringing a little bit over here, Jed. Why's that, bud? I just, I feel like I'm going to catch the brunt of this, as our listeners will will soon find out you didn't have the greatest of weekends. I feel like it's at least partially my fault, and uh, it's, uh, well, let me say this. I don't think that you would make a trip to I-57 Drag Strip if it wasn't for me. So, (laughs) (laughs) in the end, You were the reason I was there. (laughs) It was definitely a wild weekend. I can't wait to tell just a little snippet from it. <laughs> uh, you know, we experienced, uh, I experienced a lot of highs and lows from the weekend, but um, it was, it was really wild. But how about you? You, uh, you getting back to full strength yet? I don't know if I would go that far. I hardly got out of bed yesterday. Today was a, a fairly normal day in my world, but yeah, it's, uh, 
I guess we'll give listeners a, a little bit of a, a look behind the scenes. It's a whole lot more work to be on the other side of the pay window. I just I promise you that. A lot more work, a lot more stress. But uh, but it, it all went well for the most part. It was a fun weekend. and It was awesome. Yeah, although I wish the circumstances would have been better. Enjoyed spending some time with you and JJ, as always. Oh, man, we had a blast. Even even after all of it, the story is, is worth every bit of it. So <laughs> No worries. It was awesome. Before we get into the JEG Summer Door Car Shootout wrap-up show for today, again, we'll, we'll talk about the Summer Door Car Shootout. Got pretty good stories, I think, from that event from a lot of different angles. We'll touch on the IHRA event up at MIR. Uh, we'll touch on the NHRA Divisional out in Woodburn, Oregon. It was a little bit of a slow week in terms of the high-end bracket races and and really the NHRA and IHRA tour but that's good for us because that allows us I don't know if many of our listeners care much about what happened at I-57 drag strip last weekend but we were both there and we got some fun stories so that's what we're going to cover for the most they should the racing answers segment will return later in the show um the 890 class for the all-state shootout has been released we'll cover that but first let's tell them who's hot Jed he's on fire it's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Yes, absolutely. Seabrook Performance, Who's Hot. Seabrook Performance does it all. Competition engine building, quality machine work, carburetors, and more. Seabrook Performance is also a stocking dealer for Cali's, Wiseco, Comp Cams, Moroso, Holly, Nitrous Express, and more. Call Luke Seabrook at 785-286-6813 or email seabrookperformance at gmail.com. And this week's Seabrook Performance Who's Hot is Alex Reese. Luke, uh, Alex had an amazing weekend, especially for a young lady in our sport uh, at the uh, Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. She put on a show without question. I think she said she went a few rounds in Friday night's uh, gambler's race. We'll touch on a little bit more later. Saturday's Brodix $10,000 main event. She, I think she had to buy back first round and then reeled off eight consecutive win lights to get her first $10,000 victory yes. behind the wheel of the family Beretta. And, and we had the benefit of being behind the scenes in the tower and seeing all of those runs. It's not like she got away with anything. She made pretty stellar runs throughout yes. and then uh, continued that hot streak on Sunday advancing all the way to the final six cars before she turned it red to eventual winner, Tony Atchison. And in that quarterfinal round, they were racing for the bite of the final. So if I memory serves me correctly, she strung together 14 consecutive win lights and was one away from back-to-back $10,000 final rounds. So yeah, Seabird performance, who's hot? And I think a, a deserving one at that. I believe our first female who's hot representative, Alex. Yes. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job. Very humble young lady, just out there having a really good time. It was awesome to watch the family, as you could tell the the stakes were growing with every wind light, and uh, the family was really excited. So it was awesome to watch. Congratulations to Alex Reese. She just performed extremely well, and I know that was a huge, huge weekend for her. So she should be very proud, and I know she is, and the family is as well. Yeah, very impressive performance. It was fun to watch. Jed, let's let. Why don't we start with um, your recap from the weekend? Because it'll be a little different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I was just a racer uh, coming in. JJ and I just coming in, enjoying 
the Jag Summer Door Car Shootout, a little door car racing, which we love. And, you know, it was a good little ride up. Got to stop at Russell Steakhouse in Corinth, which I know you're familiar with, and really good that's, eating. Uh, Brian told me that this morning. That's, I'm pretty sure that's out of your way, but it's worth that just for the stop. And the Steakhouse well, there was place a, is awesome. Yeah, there was a new route. The route took me up I-22 and through Tupelo and north from Tupelo. So it was a a little different route, but really enjoyed it. Stayed off the interstate, just having a good time, JJ and I, and stopped at Russell. So things really couldn't be better. I mean, you know, I'd had no motorhome trouble. Right up until you pulled in the gate. Well, it happened just a little before that. Uh, Right before I was too tired to drive any further um, tonight, I lost... Uh, the blinkers and uh, the brake lights on, on everything, motorhome and trailer. Thanks, by the way, shout out to David Hearn for getting that straightened out at the race once we settled down. But So, you know, it was a little bit rough, but it was one of those deals where I just figured I'd when I needed to move over, I'd just move over another lane. They'd figure it out at some point and yeah, slow down. They did. It worked, it worked perfect. It really did. That's uh, so, Trey Williams went, Jr. told me at one time, Jed. There's a good quote. <laughs> They got brakes, and they don't want to crash. <laughs> Very good point. Words to live by. Very good point. So, you know, we uh, we sleep a few hours, not very long. Slept about four hours, five hours maybe. Got up, made the rest of the hour and a half drive to uh, I-57. You know, things are looking really good. It's a really nice-looking day. Roll in there about 8.30. And uh, right where you said, you know, I was going to be, there's that open parking. It was. I had you taken care of. Jed, wheel it right in here. This man, you spot. did. Had me a good spot uh, as a as a sponsor of the event through the Southern Footbrake Challenge. Uh, man, I had a, had a really good spot, and you you took real good care of me. I even walked it off. You you know, I thought, well, Luke's he's measured it already, but he's going to step it off just to make sure that you know everything's okay. <laughs> you know, like I got enough length here. So I pull off in the parking spot that you personally picked out for me and i mean how how much better does it get you're luke bogacki i mean you you're on top of the world you won a million you doubled up recently at the at chicago and things have gone really well for you this year and i'm getting to ride that train with you which is extra special for me you pulled me into a pile of mush that a swamp buggy couldn't have got in and out <laughs> hey come on in jed right here bud you did say, Jed, you got one shot at this deal. It's a little soft, is what you said. I got 30,000 pounds of rig. <laughs> so I don't know how you tell how little soft it is for that. But come on right here, Jed. You got one shot at it. Probably won't be any backing up. And I am I pulled it in there perfect. I mean, I'm headed right in where I want to be. And she quit pulling about 67% of the way into my parking spot. <laughs> and... <laughs> the the dejected look on your face, Luke, was priceless. I couldn't even be upset. I mean, I'm stuck before we ever even think about getting in the parking spot. And I, I, you were so dejected. <laughs> you, your words were, well, bud, that didn't really go like I thought it would. Um, <laughs> hang tight right here, and uh, we'll figure something out in a little while. <laughs> little did I know that that was going to be just the the first of many many challenges for you on friday morning for me i thought we were talking about your weekend (laughs) (laughs) well friday morning you had many challenges this is true 
you actually got to the point where you got on the mic Friday and said, you know, guys, all right, the, the five grander today, we're going to stop that and we're going to roll it into into Saturday and Sunday, which was a great move on your part based on what you were, the cards you were dealt at that point. You got three inches of rain, right? I mean. Yeah, in about three hours. Yeah. So you were, you were dealt a very challenging situation there. So I'm stuck. The race is canceled. It's 930 Friday morning. I've driven all night to I-57 and the race for the day is canceled. So, and I'm stuck. I don't know if you, if I mentioned that, but right where you put me. Yeah, I think we covered that. So uh, about 10.30, I don't know, the sun was baking pretty good. About 10.30, my neighbor there, Bruce Boyle, says, hey, bud, I I think we can get you out. Okay, you got a tank somewhere? (laughs) I didn't see. He said, I got my dually here. Uh, I think we can pull you out. Bruce, I'm, I'm willing to try it if you are. So Bruce hooked up to the last axle on the trailer, eased me out of there. I put her in reverse and backed right out about 10.30. Well, at least I'm not stuck anymore. You know, we're going to be here at I-57, not racing, but at least I'm not stuck. I'm about two hours from that. There was two hours from the time you got me stuck to the time Bruce got me unstuck. About two hours from that, it's like, shoot, fire is hot out here. I mean, the sun is, <laughs> it's working on this ground really good. And, and you know, it started, the rumors started happening that Luke, Luke thinks, First of all, when you announced Friday was canceled, you wasn't even sure Saturday would start or go at, good point. at that point. For sure. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really rough. So then, at twelve thirty, rumor has it Luke's thinking about a gambler's race. He's already told everybody the five's canceled, so we're just going to go with a plan to do two tens. Luke's thinking about a gambler's race, and then lo and behold, about two o'clock, I think you correct me if I'm wrong. About two o'clock, you said, "Guys, we're going to have a gambler's race." A bye guy, a gambler's race, a good one. <laughs> awesome gambler's race, which turned out to be way better than the five grander that was right. planned. So it's like, well, heck, we're going to have a gambler's race. I got to get parked. And my parking spot looks pretty decent, which I didn't think would dry out for days. And it looked pretty good. So I took the chance and drove right back off in there. Can we it- tell the listeners that conversation? I think this was via text message at this point. Yeah, it says... <laughs> My spot looks pretty good. I think I'm going to wheel in there. Meanwhile, I had been on the phone with what would be your neighbors, some other sponsors of the event that I had I had called after you got stuck originally and said, look, I've got y'all spots, but this ain't looking good. Just if you hadn't left yet, hang tight. And they had left. So they stopped at the uh, the casino in Metropolis right around the Kentucky-Illinois line. And uh, so I text you back. I said, well, cool. If you get in there and don't get stuck, I'll tell Jeremy and them to come. <laughs> <laughs> you did tell me that. You did say that. If you don't get stuck, you'll have neighbors soon. So, And I wheeled off in there, and it was absolutely perfect. I mean, it, it could have been a little drier, but it, it, it was not bad. Great parking spot. Everything's starting to come together now. Other than so, beside Charlie Hammer. So, yeah, crazy Charlie, but he turned out to be a really good neighbor. So, you know, I've got people working on the motorhome and the trailer, putting brake lights and stuff back in and getting blinkers working. I've got people pulling me out. And it's it's been a wild few hours already. Yeah, at this point, the whole zip code and where Jed is parked has worked on his stuff, and he ain't unloaded yet. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I basically sit there and watched eating leftover uh, fudge sickles from uh, from the WFC. So, you know, things are going well for me. I got people there just eager to help. Well, things didn't continue to go well. Should I carry on into the rest of the weekend? Just, yeah, or? let's give the Jed weekend overview. Absolutely. Okay, so I make me a time shot, and it goes well on Friday. So I'm set up. I told you I didn't think I got it all, but I didn't think I missed it. I'm like 20-something on the tree. You said, yeah, it's probably a hundredth looser than you're used to. So I'm going to pull me a hundredth out and go get somebody first round. I decided to do eight thou for whatever reason. Turns out I wish it had been seven. I was negative one, dead on with a zero. You know, um, that brings up a good point. Like, I'm an odd number guy. Like, and for whatever, I, you know, we've all got our goofy idiosyncrasies. When I look down at the delay box, unless it's a zero, I very rarely stage with an even number. Unbelievable. I, I would knock the little thousandth in. My wife's the complete opposite. She's all even all the time. I'm the same. I'm odd. I'm an odd guy, which totally went against everything that I wanted to do, but it left me with an odd number in the box uh, okay. by, by pulling an even number. So I was in a catch 22 there. I went with an even number in the box instead of pulling mm. an odd. Uh-huh. So it goes well. Cars leaving good. You know, yeah, I was dead on zero, 499. Okay. That's tough right. break. Right. We're going we're gonna to get them tomorrow. So here lately... I, sometimes where I park, I can't get the trailer jacked up like I want, and the transmission panel drag right at the edge of the the trailer door when it's coming out of the the box. And that's aggravating. Yeah, it's terrible. And and I got you know I race some country tracks with some lumps in the return road, so I might bump the transmission pan sometimes. Car's too low in the front. I got twenty fives on. I'm gonna put twenty sixes on it. So I go over to Ronnie Maggart's trailer first thing Saturday morning. Throw me a couple of brand new sticker, 26 inches on the front, and she's looking good, son. I'm talking about looking good. Got the this stance baby. just right. The stance is perfect, and the tires, are, you know, they're beaming with the with my favorite label. And things are going well, Luke. Really couldn't imagine how great this weekend's turned around for me. So I stage her up for my first time shot, and I let go of the button. And <laughs> now this is after me egging you on over the PA to get involved in the wheelie contest. Well, how did I miss that? Yeah, you guys are telling me, Jed, yeah, you're getting that wheelie contest. And I'm telling you, it'll never do that again. That ain't happening. <laughs> no interest. Well, I let go of the button and she stands what felt like straight up. I know it probably wasn't, it was but up pretty good. It was up pretty good. And I went out there, it just, it was panic. I, I didn't handle that well at all. I checked it one time in the air, and that's a terrible idea, because it's it's not going to end well. Easy to say until you're in that situation. Yeah. So, it come down pretty hard, and, and then I, for some reason, I get back in the gas, and, and that was even dumber, and, you know, I'm, I'm a tenth slow, and I'm thinking, what an idiot, you know, get yourself together. Come back, make your adjustments to the car. It was a freak deal. Only thing I changed was 26s. And then you tell me, yeah, raising that crankshaft up a little bit sometimes will get you, will change things a lot. So you you probably took geometry. I didn't. <laughs> no, I had just done the same thing on a stock eliminator car and nearly ended up on the roof. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I come back and tighten it up. Everything's going to be fine now. I got, you know, I, I, I hunkered down the front end just a little bit. So no more worries. I can just do me a wheelie and put me on a little bit of a show, but no more wheelie contest for me, boys. I'm done. Well, second time trial, let go of the button, and by God, 
it was angry and did it again. And this time, I'm going to be a man. I'm like, you know what happens when you let out. You're lucky it didn't bust the pan off of it. So I legged it, and I think it come down, I don't know, somewhere around 300 foot. I don't know if you saw that it one. but ways down there, yes. The 330 mark was very close when I set her down. And yeah, it did and, set and I down. guess it goes without saying, but I should mention, like, I'm in the tower with JJ. He's not a fan of this. Like, you're putting on a good show. JJ ain't digging it at all. No, he hates it. He hates it because he knows usually that means we got to go home when it does a weekday like that. Right. <laughs> we don't get to race. So I legged it like a man and then let out. This time when it come down, I gave up and just coasted on through. You know, do the old shutter down, fire it up when you get off the track. Still got all pressure, so. I drive it back, and, you know, people giving you thumbs up and all that like you meant to do it, and you give them <laughs> thumbs up back like you meant to do it. I'm thinking, this is freaking ridiculous. I mean, it's it's 80-something degrees, 70% humidity. It ain't like we're in a mine shaft here. Right. What is going on in I-57 dragway, drag strip, that this thing is hooking and doing this? So I make wholesale changes for round number one. Pull a battery out of the back. Uh, take me 40-something pounds out there, tighten all four corners, and I'm white-knuckled when I let go. Uh, yeah, this. I was, JJ and I both <laughs> watching intently for round one, and like I told you, it, like you, you knocked the breath out of it so bad it didn't even look like it was fun. No, it took the fun <laughs> right out of it. <laughs> it really did. And then I make that run, and I'm, I've dialed it down because of the battery out, and I think I'm going to keep the tires down so it should have good momentum, pick up another little bit. It's a little faster Saturdays, what everybody's telling me, than Friday. So, I'm in no man's land. I think I dialed like a 89, and turns out it was going like 82 and a half, and I got a 540 car, drive him awful, take 30-something stripe to go a few thou under. And we come back and analyze the run, and course i was going way under so i get it dialed a little more honest I, I, the second round i've loosened it up just a smudge to see if i can help it and it didn't help it but i did manage to get the wind light third round is when things changed for big red forever she will no longer have some of the pieces that she came to battle with on third round i loosened it up a little bit I uh, was running a, a Bobby Hunter, a guy previously made the final in the Gamblers, which we'll talk about. He's dial 607, I'm dial 584. Got me about a honey and a half in the bag, and I let go and knew I hit it. And he's right where I want him. He does a nice wheelie, comes down out of the wheelie, and I'm already, it's 200 feet out, and I'm I'm at the back, I'm at his back bumper. So I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. I've already uh, envisioned uh, you know, ripping the gas a few times, rolling through, get my wind light and going around number four, yeah, excited about where my car is. And about the time that thought entered my head, all hell broke loose. And it, when I say broke loose, I mean locked up. The car tried to stop immediately and everything locked up just as tight as it could. She went sliding and, at, and I have no idea. At this point, what's happening? Broken planetaries. Did I hit the trans brake button? Now, I'm 200 feet out. You, I'm not moving in the car. I'm not going to hit the trans brake button, but I must have. Don't know what's happened. And it's sliding, trying to slide over into the wall. And I'm trying to steer it into the slide to keep it off the wall. But it's going more to it. And I finally get the best result I can get from a damage standpoint. And I nick the 
wall with my right front headlight area. When it does, it it spins around to face the wall perfectly square and <laughs> it gets up on two wheels loop. Yeah, it, and from the tower, this was like complete slow motion. Like you just see the left side of the car dig in and it's slowly creeping up, 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 up. And you, I mean, I just feel like I'm in one of those slow motion scenes in a movie going, no, <laughs> and it just got to that point where I was convinced it was just going to roll right over on its top as gently as you can do it. And then it slammed back down on all fours. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. I'm thinking you barely hit the wall. Don't roll over, please. Cause it's, you know, it's got carbon tubs and it's going to destroy all that when it rolls over on its side. I mean, this is going to get to be a serious repair and i am looking straight at 10 or 12 racing people that was standing on the fence they're looking at me and this thing's rolling over and, and we're both all bug-eyed looking at each other all of us and she sits down and i'm like unbelievable thank you god i, I just this was going to end so bad and i i get out of the car and the crowd at I-57 was already huge. I don't even know what time that was. It was probably 6 o'clock. Yeah, the sun was still up, so yeah. So the crowd's already big, spectator crowd, which we'll talk about coming up. But they're just cheering as loud as they can. Great job, buddy. Great job. <laughs> you did unbelievable, man. Heck of a driving job. And I'm thinking, there was no driving here. I was <laughs> riding, not driving. But, you know, I was so fortunate that, to get the result I got. But still trying to figure out what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. I know the car was running, so I, after I shut it off, I, everything gets settled down. I'm going to crank it up. I put the gear the gear selector on the shifter in neutral, and I crank it up. And when I crank it up, it's in reverse. I'm like, well, okay, that's, it broke the planetaries because, you know, sometimes when it breaks planetaries, don't know what gear it's in. So, so I've broken planetaries, I'm sure of it. So guys just pull me on back, and it rolls. I don't. Don't hear that gravel that you hear in the planetaries when they break, and I don't hear the rear end making any noise. Crap, I don't know what I've done here. Finally, I'll make a long story short, if that's even possible at this point. (laughs) Finally realized why it was in reverse. I got a pretty trick little shifter solenoid underneath the tunnel, and it it hits the gear selector on the transmission directly, and that's how it shifts the car. Well, when the cable is tied to it, the shifter reverse lockout is in effect because it's got a shifter cable connected to the shifter. When the cable comes off, Luke, it does not have a reverse lockout. And about 220 feet out and, I don't know, 70 to 80 miles per hour, she got kicked in reverse. And, you know, I got to thinking on the way home, well, you know, I had 1090 in the box or 1091, whatever. It didn't, it never cycled through. It never released. And rolled again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why why did it do that? So I couldn't figure it out. Finally, figured it out what had happened, and um, just my fault. I had the the pin that holds the cable to the gear selector. I had it in from the bottom up instead of the top down. And I think a couple of really big wheelies and a couple of hard landings jarred her loose. And that pin was laying on my trailer door after we winched the car in, and I think it was just dangling, barely hanging on, and it let the cable come off. And uh, fortunately for me, it did not end any worse. That sh- that could have, should have been spun around right in the middle of the racetrack and rolled over as many times as you can roll one. 
but didn't get that result. So um, felt very fortunate. Uh, people are really sad and uh, hate that it happened. We all hate that it happened, but don't be sad for me. Be uh, be happy because I got the best result you could possibly get. I've already got some great friends that's offered some help to get it fixed, and probably within a month we'll be back at the racetrack with a little different setup than what we got right now, but uh, we'll be going down the track having a good time. Now, I know uh, how particular you are, Jed. I'm going to assume that this thing's not going to make any runs with an off-colored fender. No, sir. Okay. That's what I was figuring. <laughs> sir, I, it would it would go down the track right now, I believe. I am going to get BT to look at the trans and converter just to make sure nothing stupid happened. Yeah, uh, dead, dead shift into reverse at 80, 90 mile an hour is probably not good for everything. Yeah, probably not. So I'm going to have, uh, uh, have BT check it out for me. And, you know, I, I got enough pieces. I could put something in it and go to the track right now. We pulled the fender out and it's, you know, it's okay to race it, but probably need a little break and, um, just, uh, going to get her fixed up and go back at it. But that was my, uh, summer door car shootout weekend in a nutshell. Um, did, Stick around the rest of the evening Saturday and help. We, we do appreciate that. You were uh, on the mic a lot. We we kind of put you to work. I thought, ah, Jed just crashed. No big deal. I can, I can, I can, something I can have him do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, I did joke with people uh, when I got on the mic. I said, yeah, I crashed my car uh, last round. Luke said, hey, man, I hate you crash. Can you come up here and, and get on the mic for us? Yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> you did not ask me to do that. My good friend, Willie Burnett. His first three-day stint on the mic, and hell, Willie's an excitable guy, so his voice probably needed pacing a little bit, and he was starting to get beat up. So just uh, got in where we, we saw you needed a little assistance and uh, was glad to help. It, it probably kept my mind off things as much as anything. So It's actually a very underrated job. I, I just called, I think, a couple rounds on Sunday because, like you said, Willie's voice was about gone. And I am telling you, if I did that for a day, I wouldn't have nothing left. So I, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely, like you said, a little pacing going involved. I believe I was talking way too loud into a microphone, but th- there is, there's definitely a, a, a skill set and a learning curve that goes into that stuff. Yeah, there he is. And I learned that early too. So you know, I understand Willie's challenges, but all in all, great time. And we'll talk some more about that. But, uh, tell us about your summer door car shootout experience. Well, I think in large part, you recap the the gist of it. I'd like to think that we come into this stuff as prepared as we could be. We weren't prepared for three and a half inches of rain in three hours on Thursday night. Um, yeah, with a ten percent chance of rain. So <laughs> that didn't uh, didn't start the the weekend off on the right foot. And truth be known, we very nearly canceled everything Friday morning. In retrospect, yep. I'm very happy that we made the decisions that we did it wasn't perfect by any means i think you always look back on on a on a race weekend at least i do whether you're racing or promoting or what and there's always things that you would do a little bit differently if you knew all that you know now when you had to make the decisions Um, but all things considered i think it went as smoothly as we could have hoped and it's I don't know. It's for those of you that have never been on that end of it. It is an exhilarating feeling to, and one that I, in anything that I've done in life, you can't duplicate in that you seemingly make important decisions, most of which you can't really prepare yourself for until they happen. And you're seemingly faced with a new decision like every few minutes, all day long. 
that it's an exhilarating thing, but it's also a very stressful, very tiring thing. And the way that we do it, I probably make it harder on myself and my wife than we have to. Obviously, we put on a big race at a small track, and that brings some inherent challenges. I wouldn't have it any other way. There's nowhere else that I want to put on a race for reasons that we really discussed last episode. Sure. Um, and personally, like as I'm sure you've seen, Jed, I am awful at delegation. Like I have always been, or for as long as I can remember, been my own boss and kind of a one-man show. And I yep. just really struggle to tell people what to do and trust them to do it. So yep. I tend to spread myself way thinner than I should, and that's my fault, not anybody else's. But uh, the result of that was that, yeah, yesterday I got out of bed to take Jessica and Gary to lunch and got back into bed and then got up and took them to dinner. Um, so it uh, it all caught up with me pretty quick, but it was a, it was an enjoyable weekend, and we uh, we did, I think, some pretty cool stuff. So Awesome stuff. And, you know, what, what everybody listening needs to know is – there were 200 and whatever cars. I don't remember the number. Yeah, right, right at 230. I think we had 220. 230. Okay. So most of those are in a rig by themselves. There were some multi-car rigs, but most of those were in a rig by themselves. And you park every single one of them. You meet them at the entrance. You tell them, all right, I, got, I know right where to put 75 feet. I know right where to put 45 feet. And you take them and put them in there. Well, you wasn't left with that option for quite a while on Friday morning. So it was stressing you a little bit. The cars were starting to pile up. I thought, uh, aside from maybe one or two people, the spirit was really good. Hey, it was. you were dealt a tough situation, Luke. We, you offered anybody that wanted to leave, in your words, that's over it to go. And you get a 100% refund, including your $100 copay or whatever what what am what what am I deposit yeah not copay we didn't go to the hospital uh, almost (laughs) almost did but it didn't (laughs) so you offered their deposit back and everything guys I understand and I don't know you might have had a couple of guys check out or whatever but for the most part I thought everybody was uh, really excited to be there and was willing to stick it out and see what happened and Lo and behold I mean I I think it was just really about 10 30 11 11 30 something like that you started feeling like you had some spots to put people and you started rolling them in. And I think you told me about three o'clock or so I've got everybody that's here now parked and that didn't look like an option. So kudos to you guys for sticking it out and working hard and racers for being so patient. I know I'm speaking for you when I say that that was awesome and you guys appreciated it. You said it many times on the PA yourself. So all in all, it was a wonderful weekend of racing from a racer standpoint, what you guys offered, how hard you worked, and I uh, really, really enjoyed it, aside from wrecking. Except <laughs> for the minor details home, like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I it would have been a great weekend. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about results. Like we said, Friday uh, evening ended up being a gambler's race. What we did was a $80 entry, no buyback, 100% payback. We took all the money and split it up among the final 12 cars remaining, I believe. Winner ended up paying, like, this some odd number, $6,840, I think, somewhere in that range. Yeah, um, yeah awesome. That money went to Bobby Hunter, Nashville area racer with a real nice little blue S10. He knocked out Jeremy McKaigie in the final. That was Jeremy's fifth final round appearance at the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. He and Jeremy Jensen have been the 
most successful summer yes. tour car shootout racers over the course of our events. So I'm yes. coming back next year as Jeremy Pennington. Yeah, you did. It's, it's Jeremy's only. All Jeremy all the time. <laughs> guys are unbelievable up there. <laughs> we uh, we already talked about Alex Reese. She got the the ten thousand dollar win in Saturday's Brodix main event. Again, the the first uh, ten thousand dollar win of her career. First of what I'm sure will be many, yeah. particularly if she continues driving like that. And she knocked out the aforementioned Jeremy Jensen in the final round. Jeremy was driving uh, Mr. Satellite's Corvette and advanced to yeah. the final. Yeah. One of the kind of cool things about the summer door car shootout and like i think i've harped on here before like everybody says that spectators don't care to see a bracket race and i realize that in (laughs) some markets that's the case but i think that our race proves that base theory wrong now granted in southern illinois i will be the first to admit that we don't have a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar like there's not a whole lot else going on yeah but we did some things to enhance the spectator experience and we advertised not a ton didn't spend a lot of money, but put together a nice little video and plugged it out on Facebook, boosted it a little bit. We had 1200 spectators on Saturday night. Oh my gosh. um, Keep in mind, we're at a facility that makes 1200 look like 5,000. You know what I mean? You can, you can attest it was packed. It was, it was a cool scene from, the, on the spectator side of the racetrack, literally from the water box to the scoreboards, which are probably 500 feet past the finish line. Yes. It was two, three deep at the fence all the way down. And um, it's just a neat atmosphere to be able to to race in front of people that are interested and cheering. And, and we did some things to, to go along with that. I stole uh, an idea from Randy Helton and Kelly Estes at the Ultimate 64 and um, – I think when there was 27 cars left in the main event, we put everybody that was still in, we put their name on a Frisbee. And you, myself, and Willie ran out on the track and uh, and tossed a fr- those Frisbees to the fans. And the uh, the last two, or obviously the fan that had Alex's Frisbee at the end of the night got $500. So there was plenty of excitement built up along yes. the last handful of Frisbees standing. So that was neat. And, uh, and we put on a show for those fans not only with that race with the the quick 16 and the king illinois going on that night but we did our uh our burnout contest and our wheelie contest a little bit different this year we've always had awards for the best wheelie and the best burnout just because like to me the two funnest things in racing are burnouts and wheelies right yes so i always incorporated that into our event i think that i think that's cool stuff well we started the last couple of years with a little bit more emphasis on spectators and getting more of a crowd out there and uh, it was actually like we had talked about when Willie was on. It was largely Willie's idea a year ago. He says, you know, we ought to have those guys come back out and do something for the fans. So this year, rather than just giving our award early in the race, we picked the two best burnouts and the two best wheelies. This year, it actually, we couldn't decide on two burnouts. We had three guys just show out um, yeah. <laughs> in second round of eliminations, which is my personal favorite thing about the burnout contest is that you can't just do it in time runs. It's second round. Like you've got to back up from all that craziness and stage up in the race. Why? Because anybody can do a burnout in time trials. <laughs> so we ended up having the, the runoffs for the wheelie contest and the burnout contest Saturday night in front of that packed house. And uh, the showman really came out in the contestants. And that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, it was a killer time. What did we do? We did the wheelie contest first. 
Yeah, we did the wheelie contest first, and uh, it was Chris Butcher in his wheelie wagon versus Lucas Walker in his familiar back half fox body. Uh, did five, you see, Jed, the wheelie that Butcher qualified with? I did see that. I was actually calling that one when it happened, and it was uh, very impressive. It was 400-plus feet, and it was nice and straight and big. You know, Lucas did – it was a little bit of an accident, I think, but Lucas did one probably as big. Uh, yeah, off the foot going long, but right yeah going 550s off the foot those two guys were our, our top two qualifiers if you will so they come around for round one uh lucas left the starting line with less than a wheelie than he intended to do mm-hmm. and uh didn't go well so the ball's in butcher's court this is going to be a pretty easy win for him and he did the same thing didn't go as well and it was you know just a kind of a soft little wheelie and so both of those guys were a little bit aggravated with themselves and wanted to come back around and do it again i mean immediately drove back to the water box immediately kind of <laughs> kind of mad like fast yeah. like faster back to the water box and they went down the racetrack so you know obviously there wasn't a clear-cut winner, so what the heck? Let's do this again. Yeah, let's, I didn't let's, stop you know, them. You guys want to do another yeah. wheelie? I got 200 <laughs> people here. Let's do it. <laughs> getting really exciting. So <laughs> Lucas uh, starts to burn out, and the car gives up. He, it turns out he pulled a head stud out off the shaft rocker on his car. So he gave up, which he was a little bit aggravated about, and he gets out of the way and lets Butcher come up to do his. And Butcher, trying to put on a show, good for him, uh, probably the classic over correction i think he got it real loose and just said we're gonna we're gonna do it big we're gonna do it neat this thing got up on one wheel i don't know 50 feet 60 80 feet whatever it was down the racetrack he went big early he went big and fast and it did the one tire wobble and it looked ugly come down got in some sparks and it was a big wheelie really impressive got a lot of cheers right yeah one of those things that's fun to watch it just didn't go quite as far as he wanted to Well, not to be outdone, Lucas brings two cars to every race he goes to. He's always got a backup. And uh, so he went and got his wife's car. And you did not hear that wrong. He said uh, (laughs) he brought his wife's uh, small tire Mustang to the racetrack uh, with him, and he's racing it too. It only goes uh, 580s. It don't go 550s like his car. He's got her slowed down. So he loosened it up, and he come out there and... Figured, you know, Butchers didn't go as well as he wanted, but it was pretty impressive. So he had something to beat, something to shoot for. And he did not a wheelie. He did the wheelie. This thing leaves the starting line, and it's up in the air. And you could hear it chugging, and it shifted and looked like it obviously gained momentum and just got stuck on on the back bumper and is going deep. When it finally come down, I would... Luke, you tell me, was he 450 feet out or so? He was a long way down there. He was a long way, 450 to 500 foot. And the only reason he didn't go all the way was because he felt it just shift a little bit and start going to the wall. And unfortunately, he had to let out, which is the last thing you want to do in that situation. But he was forced to let out. And when he did, it come down and grazed the wall. I say grazed, easy for me to say. It got the wall, hit it fairly well but just left a, a stripe down the side of his car yeah, didn't basically a side swipe right yeah it was a yeah it was a f- perfect side swipe it wasn't momentum into the wall and um lucas claimed his wheelie contest victory the hard way 
but it was very, very. It was fun. a heck of a show, and Lucas himself come back, and he told me, man, I felt like the biggest idiot there. I can't believe I did that, this and that. And he said, I was turning off the track. I didn't want to show my face. And I figured the idiot fans would be all fired up, but, you know, I mean, the racers are going to think, what a dummy. <laughs> he says, I'm driving back through the pits, and he says, I ain't just one or two. Like, I've got dozens of racers jumping up and down. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all want to be able to do and have the guts to do. And Lucas did it in his yeah. wife's car. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part, right? So he claimed the wheelie contest victory. And uh, again, he did it the hard way, but it's all about the story, bro. So great job, Lucas. It was Hats awesome. And then uh, a couple rounds later, we did our wheelie contest again. Had three finalists there. Brian Whitworth, last year's. I'm sorry, did I say wheelie contest? I meant Yeah, the burnout. Yeah. yeah. Last year's burn, Mickey Thompson uh, burnout contest winner, Brian Whitworth. He advanced to the final again. Jeff Baldridge, who's a racer from up near Byron. I, I know races at Byron, Illinois, from northern Illinois. And then uh, Rick Harless out of Kentucky. And I don't know, Jed, like this was really my first burnout contest experience other than like I, I'll say I got the idea when I was like 14 because I used to race at a little place called Cedar Creek Dragway. And mm-hmm. they would send you flyers for the bracket race, but on the back was their Friday night program. And once a month at Cedar Creek back in the day, they had a Friday night burnout contest. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. The flyer said, burnout contest, $100 to best burnout. And then in little print underneath it, $50 for a blowout. Huh? <laughs> That's pretty good stuff. Well. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our guys come out and like i say having never really been a part of a burnout contest before i realized real quickly that the key to winning the burnout contest is simple you just have to win the coin flip because if you go last what happens is it goes from wild to crazy yep to plum absurd and that's exactly <laughs> the way this went brian whitworth yep. was first out and he burned across the center line between the 60 foot and the 330. <laughs> that did happen. Yes. I was standing there with Mike, his dad, and he said, Jed, if he puts that, as he was crossing the center line, he said, if he puts it in the wall, I'm going to go right out on the racetrack and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Baldridge is up next. And Jeff does what, by all accounts at the time, I thought that should win a burnout contest. Like, that was impressive. He held it in the water for it a good, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, smoked everything out. And then drove it out close to 3.30 before it hooked up, right? Yes. Pretty impressive yes. burnout out of a high six-second bracket car. Absolutely. Well, that was, like we said, we went from wild to crazy. And then Rick Harless pulled in with the absolutely absurd. I knew that it was not looking good for the other two competitors when Rick stopped behind the water box and said, I need more water. And <laughs> he did. wouldn't pull up until they had a lake for him to pull up into. And he way he egged the crowd on. He stopped in the water box and and put his left arm out of the car and give them the old "Let's go, let's get it up." Let's oh, that was one. I, I didn't realize this as it was happening because I was in the staging lanes. But I saw the video of Baldridge. Baldridge when he released the line lock, window open, left arm out the window. Yeah, that's true. I did. Yes, that. I mean just <laughs> awesome, right? But Harless pulls up there, and I don't know where the high side chip is on that Chevy two. Hmm. but a in the trailer i think (laughs) (laughs) he held it in the water for what had to have been 30 plus seconds it was very uncomfortable (laughs) like i was back in the staging lanes like pairing the next round of the main event 
and the way that the lighting is at I-57, the lights are at the back of the staging lane, so they, they, they light forward from there. Well, where I'm standing, after Rick's done a burnout for a good 25, 30 seconds, it starts to get dark because the smoke yes. has covered those lights. Yes. And then he came out of that, and I, that's when it got up. I don't know how high that was turning to keep the wheels spinning, but it was... It's a plenty loose converter, and it was getting plenty of it. And yeah, when, and he's got power. Yeah, and went, I would say, to 330 feet. Like, it was kind of a no-brainer when it was said and done. Rick Harless wins the burnout contest. <laughs> it was extremely impressive, and uh, just everybody's performance, Brian's, and, and everybody's was fun to watch. It was. It was. That's the perfect word. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, as all that was going on, we were whittling down the fields and everything else. Nitrous Express Quick 16 winner was Greg Dawson from your neck of the woods with uh, the coolest opal in the world. It's yes. stack injected small block opal that goes 490s. And you think that guy's crazy, right? Yes. He has won our Quick 16 now two years in a row with that yes. with said opal. He makes nice laps. Uh, bad news. Greg defeated Mike Nitschke in the final. Mike made the trek all the way down from uh, Michigan. And again, as all that was going on, within all the fun, we had some seriousness, I guess, too. The, Darn right. The This is Bracket Racing Elite King of Illinois is the the richest event of the weekend. And how it works, it's just a, it's a $500 entry. We pay back 100% of what comes in, winner take all. That's how we advertise it, obviously. Typically, it gets split up. But uh, this was our biggest one yet. Uh, had 44 entrants in it. Paid $22,000. Uh, yeah. Ended up running real late in the night, later than I would have liked. But uh, Travis Eaton got the win. Travis out of Tennessee driving Kenny Peace's beautiful Chevy 2 wagon. Uh, Travis got the victory over Aaron Vale in that King of Illinois shootout. Yeah, Travis uh, with a big win there, and um, he, he said he's been in somewhat of a slump lately, so that's a heck of a way to come out of it with the, the biggest King of Illinois payday to date out of the seven years. So great job of Travis and Aaron Bell. What else can you say about him? He's always in the in the hunt in the middle of it. But wrapped up, Luke, uh, I left uh, Sunday morning about 9.15 before I was trying to get out before cars got rolling and get, get my rig um, freed up and get getting on the highway and managed to do that but uh looked like sunday's moser 10k went extremely well and smooth and uh tony atchison got the win over john de piazza yeah yeah and a shout out too to david bell david advanced down to the final three cars off the bottom he was our uh yeah our bottom ball bonus award winner but she got that taken care of like in round four and then rolled through three or four top bulb competitors which if you've watched david bell race and i know you have that's yeah. not a surprise to anybody but uh, it's still pretty impressive to watch just another day at the office for double o david bell so, but yeah it, so, all in all i think like i say i'm kind of biased but it's it is a neat atmosphere and I, one that i think is unique to the jake summer door car shootout and that it's it's just cool yeah. we've got spectators it's a big race at a small track it's just uh it's it, to me, it feels a little bit like going back in time. It reminds me of a lot of the races that I used to go to with my dad when he was racing, when Big Dollar Bracket racing, at least in our area, was kind of getting its start. Yeah. I, you know, again, not trying to uh, feed the your ego, which you don't have, and, and blow smoke up your skirt, but heck of a race. Great job, you and the rest of the staff. There's a lot of hardworking people there. The the I-57 staff really seems to love their job. I uh, didn't hear one of them complaining about when's it going to be over or any of that. They just go about their business, and they do it well, and 
the spectator racing in front of that many people, Luke, like you said, it feels like they're all over you. So it feels like there's 5,000 plus people there, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Big as I've ever seen at a bracket only race. It really is. So it was unbelievable. And the racing surface was excellent all weekend, especially considering the heat. Um, those, the concession stand at I-57 and, you know, I know a lot of people listening won't ever get a chance to go there, but if you do, if you do go to the concession stand, I mean, don't, (laughs) don't be afraid. There's no $5 cheeseburgers and you pay a normal price for a cheeseburger and it's absolutely delicious. So don't be scared to visit the concession stand and all the prizes that you do, Luke, that all the manufacturers that you get involved in this event just really really cold it it does give it a big race feel at a small country racetrack and um hats off to everybody involved you guys did an awesome job yeah that does feel like it was awesome it was great <laughs> <laughs> across the country at up at uh, mir maryland international raceway had an ihra doubleheader Again, not going to touch on every result, but some standout performances from the weekend. I think the biggest standout without question, Clayton Roberts, who we have talked about for how good a year he's having in the NHRA top sportsman ranks. On the I side, uh, picked up three victories on the weekend, double in top dragster, one top dragster Saturday and Sunday, and one um, top sportsman as well on Sunday. So hats off to Clayton. Jeff Gardner was another double winner, won both hot rod and stock. Jacob Elrod, another guy who's having a superb year all across the board in both sanctioning bodies, double winner in Super Rod, got both days there. And in the junior dragster ranks, Paige Montgomery performed the same seat, same feat, I should say, with the double up in uh, in junior dragster both Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, great performances by those. And uh, Patrick Forrester is one week removed from his hot rod win on Sunday at Keystone. He he won hot rod on Sunday there at MIR, so that's, that's a nice... Did. It's what he loves about Sunday. Yeah, nice. A nice performance for him. Myron Piatek, a guy that uh, just has done a ton in IHRA stock eliminator. He was in both stock finals. So he came up short both days. But uh, if you're going to come up short, that's where you want to do it. So great performance again by Myron. I'm unfamiliar with how you say this last name. Uh, I don't know this gentleman, but Jim Evanuick. I'll roll with that. Okay. that's uh, It's a tough one, so... He needs to get his uh, name change form turned in immediately. We'll get that fixed. But uh, both super stock finals for him. He was just like Myron and coming up short both days, but uh, still really, really good performance. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, on the other coast, NHRA Division 6 divisional event up in Woodburn, Oregon. Just winners quickly. Casey DePeel and Richard Okerman got the wins in Top Dragster and Top Sportsman, respectively. Justin Cooper laid down 7th out total in the final of Super Comp to get the win. Chris Cannon and Gary Erickson in the 990 and 1090 classes. And some very familiar names in Superstock and Stock, both defending NHRA World Champion Jimmy DeFrank got his first victory of the year in Superstock. And Jody Lang, who has had a... Break, uh, you can't say Jody Lang's having a breakout season. He's been winning for 20 years. <laughs> having a stellar season in Superstock. Didn't win Superstock this week. Won in Stock Eliminator with his venerable station wagon. Yep, good to see those Malibu wagons win. My good buddy Jimmy DeFrank, great to see him kind of get off the schneid, if if you can say that. He's he's always winning races every year, but uh, it's been, I think, a minute or two for him. So good for Jimmy and get his season rolling right along and uh, Luke, there's uh for the junior racers and the people interested in the junior racing, uh, there's a uh, obviously the Eastern Conference Finals going on at Bristol Dragway. 
They are in their pre-race deal the week prior. The actual ECF is happening uh, next week into the weekend. So we plan to uh, to get some results from that as well and uh, make sure we highlight some great junior drag racer performances uh, coming up next show. Yeah, stay tuned to that next week for sure. All-state news, like we teased earlier, the 890 category has been released. In addition, team captains have been asked to submit bios from all the racers on their respective teams. So uh, we want to encourage all teams to get that information in that will help not only the event promoters, but it'll help us uh, increase awareness and get their get those racers all the recognition that they deserve. Like we've listed everybody by name, but we'll be completely honest. There's some racers on here that are obviously very deserving. If you're going to represent your state, you're very good at what you do. But there's some racers that we're not particularly familiar with. So we'll get that information in. It's something that we can touch on. And uh, Britt and Galen will also be promoting the heck out of this as well. Luke, I know this wasn't part of our, uh, our show our show notes, but I, I got to call out my Alabama Slammers. Maybe I'm not doing a good job of stirring them up, but I've reached out for this information, and a couple of them's got me the information, but some of them just kind of kind of hanging out, not giving me what I need to help promote my team and and us coming this thing on fire and and get all the hoopla that we need surrounding our team. So, Slammers, get your crap together. We're paid in. We're ready to go win this thing, but I need you to get enthused about it. It's not like it's six months away anymore. This thing's happening very soon. So let's go. Let's make it happen. You're talking to the wrong guy here. I have never shied away from shameless self-promotion, so I have no problem in telling you what I've done. I mean, you can get on everybody else, but my, my take on that has always been there ain't nobody else going to promote for you. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You, you've got to get that information out there. So I agree. Yeah. So we got we need to make this happen. We got a group text where I've got everybody in it and some of them never respond. I mean, I really, really got to get my team together and I'm <laughs> going to start doing that real soon. But in the meantime, as you said, the uh, the 890 category contestants were released. And uh, another another list of a lot, a lot of win lights and, and trophies and checks. And this is going to be impressive. Uh, Alabama is my good friend, the Slamma, Brad Plourd. Arkansas is Mr. Danny Nelson. California is Aaron Kennard. Florida is Ray Ray, Ray Miller III. Georgia, Sherman Adcock. I mean, this is ridiculous. Illinois is our own Luke Bogacki. Indiana is Sean Langdon. Kentucky is Tyler Bohannon. Louisiana is Steve Collier. Maryland has yet to name a driver. Mississippi is Clint Dishman. New Jersey and New York both have yet to name drivers. North Carolina is Danny Waters Jr., having a phenomenal year himself. Another phenomenal year for Ohio's representative, Jacob Elrod. Oklahoma is a guy that you might or might not be familiar with, but this guy lays down good laps, Vernon Rowland. South Carolina is your man, Team Luke, Kevin Brennan. A big KB fan. (laughs) Tennessee is Edmund Richardson. This ought to be fun to watch. Texas is Tommy Phillips, Hall of Famer. Uh, Virginia is Michelle Furr, very talented lady racer. She could have definitely fit in the female category, but she's going to do the 890, which she'll be a player. Kansas is Todd Piper. Michigan is Bill Riddle. Pennsylvania is Jeff Sarah. Missouri has not named a driver as of yet. Iowa is Tucker Kanzelar, talented young racer. Nebraska is Dwayne Cole. 
Colorado has yet to name a driver. Uh, Ontario is Ken Abair. Minnesota is Chris Bishop. South Dakota has no driver yet. And Wisconsin is Tom Dahlberg. I know we say this every week, but whoever ends up holding the trophy and cashing the $10,000 check out of that group is uh, definitely going to have an achievement to be proud of. That is nasty. What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> well, the year you're having, I know you're going to come in with extreme confidence. So, and, you know, I know you're going to ask me. All right. So I'll ask you now, instead of you asking me, when you look over that list, who is the most accomplished, Luke? And I know this wasn't planned. I'm putting you on the spot, but. Yeah, this, I, I think you got to go Edmund Richardson. You talk about lifetime achievements and accomplishments. That's, I think, close to 50 national event wins, four world championships on down the line. I mean, there's nothing that Big E hadn't done. I think Big E is without question the most accomplished racer on the list. Yeah, I think so. And I would feel like looking at it that uh, you and Tommy and Sherman probably are in a group uh, right on the backside of that. So who's going to win it, bud? Besides you, take yourself out of the mix if you can. Yeah, no, I'm gonna win. Um, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the season that he's having, it's hard to bet against DW Danny Waters. I yep. there was a couple of I I never bet against KB. I never bet against Ray Ray. Ray Ray's awesome, but man, everybody in this field's awesome. If you just gotta have one, and and I know I'm a homer, whatever the case may be, going back to my roots, like. If I got to go all in on somebody, I'll go all in on Tommy Phillips every day of the week, twice on Sundays. Yeah, very good choice. Obviously, uh, I'll shy away from picking my my teammate, Brad Plourd, and shy away from picking you just for the show's sake. But I'm going to go with my boy Sherm. I think Sherman Adcock is going to be right in his element, and I just feel really good about him coming up and making good runs. So. Going with Sherm, see what happens. Yeah, well, the one thing you can absolutely say about Sherman Adcock is when Ray Ray or Edmund or KB or Jacob Elrod pull up in the other lane, Sherman don't care. He's seen it all. You know, (laughs) he's going to go out and make the run that he's capable of making, which is probably true for at least half of this field. Like it's at least, but no, Sherman is never a never a bad pick at all. All right, Jed, let's pay some bills. Um. Racing RVs. This is a funny story. Typically, and when when Joe Fisher at Racing RVs turns me loose with an RV, it is, uh, while very, very nice and way above my standards, it is typically one of the lower-priced units on the lot. Like, that's what you would do if you had somebody beating it up down the road, right? Well, sure. the way that this shook down, I was probably up there three or four weeks ago to, to swap out RVs and some things got sold on the day that I was going to be there. Whatever, I, 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 he didn't have the RV that he was going to turn me loose with, and he had basically no option other than to send me home in one that was a little bit higher end than what I'm used to. And I am getting spoiled to death. This thing is awesome. What I have got right now is a 2008 30-foot Hallmark, two slides. Uh, it's got about 35,000 miles on it since new. Automatic wow. transmission, leveling jacks, huge patio awning, two air conditioners, backup camera. It's a sweet setup. It's got a great open floor plan with four separate sleeping areas that could sleep up to eight people. Two leather sleeper couches, overcab bed, queen in the bedroom. Like I say, double slide, one in the bedroom. Kitchen has a double sink, microwave, gas stove, two-door fridge, oversized fridge, which is nice, especially with the family. Walk-through bathroom, separate private toilet. 
tile floors, leather seating area, Corian countertops, like you name it, it's got it. Huge. I'll take it. Yes, huge wardrobe in the bedroom, outside fridge, freezer. Nice, nice piece. It is on their website now. Again, it's an 08 Hallmark 30-footer. Advertised price is $159,000. But again, low mileage, very, very nice piece. In addition to racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented as usual, presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. This Is Bracket Racing Elite is an exclusive group of racers with whom I work individually on all facets of drag racing. What do you get as an elite member? Well, for starters, unlimited access to all of the trainings on thisisbracketracing.com, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. In addition, elite members are part of an exclusive community. We share results. We give each other feedback on a weekly basis. The community also includes regular trainings from me, uh, live chats in which we discuss topics and questions from the members, and weekly challenges, which are typically, but not always, practice tree related to uh, keep our members sharp. I attribute a lot of my personal success to This Is Bracket Racing Elite, and our members have been killing it on the track as well. To learn more, check out the link on thisisbracketracing.com or message me directly. All right, Luke, the bills are paid, so now we're going to get into hashtag racing answers, which is a segment uh, we, we've talked about a little bit over the past few weeks and uh, opportunity for listeners to ask some questions and hashtag racing answers has you and sometimes I'll jump in answering those questions, but I think this one's more directed at you and uh, something that I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about. The question that was submitted is uh, Luke, can you share your pre-race preparation checklist? Yeah, and the, you could approach this a couple of different ways, but the, the what I hope that this uh, listener meant by it and the way that I'm going to answer it is basically like a, a between-race checklist, a race car preparation more than anything, more uh, physical than mental. And it's actually something that at this point, like right now, I've got four race cars to keep up with, so I literally have a checklist for each car just so that I can keep up with what's been done and what hasn't because uh, it's easy to get mixed up. Yeah. What's actually on my checklist for the most part, number one, I clean each car prior to going out to races, which I, is something I think a lot of racers do. I do it in part for the same reason that you do, Jed. Like I'm a little bit OCD and I like my stuff to be clean and nice. Yep. Um, but I also feel like that thorough cleaning specifically on a dragster, like it gives you the opportunity to basically visually inspect every inch of the car. And what I'll do is typically notice, hey, I've got a leak here or this bolt's loose or, you know what I mean? Stuff that you might not catch if you weren't constantly sure. wiping it off. I run through the valves and that's a very, run through the valves, check the springs, which is a very repetitive task that rarely requires any adjustment because I'm running shaft rockers. And those of you that have shaft rockers know that they're not supposed to move. Like everything should stay put. Yep. And 95 plus percent of the times I won't make an adjustment. That's not the reason that I run through the valves and check the springs. The reason that I do is that occasionally I will catch a broken inner spring that could lead to big problems. Occasionally I will catch a valve lash that's 5,000 sluice because the lifter is starting to beat the roller bearings out of it. And I can catch that and change it before it creates a problem. So that's the reason that I try to stay on top of that. It saves me money, I feel like, in the long run. Beyond that simple stuff, I drain the puke tanks in, in the cars. 
I like to take the air filter out and just blow out the air bleeds with the carb cleaner every week just to make sure that nothing gets stuck in there. I do what I call a, a bolt check, in which case it, I usually just run over the stuff that I can easily put a wrench on. Uh, and that has a tendency at times to come loose, headers, uh, intake manifold. Particularly after my outing at the U.S. Nationals last year, I put a wrench on the drive mandrel bolts every week. Um, yep. Never had one that I've had to tighten since then, but that is part of my <laughs> weekly routine. Bell housing bolts, um, brake caliper bolts, because I've had those back off and brake before, and obviously that can create a disaster. Basically anything that I can reach easily. My super comp, super gas cars are equipped with CO2 bottles. I just refill those every week so I don't have to mess with it at the racetrack. My Corvette has a set of uh, air-filled struts on it, so I just check the, the pressure on those each week to make sure that the seals are in, intact and they're not leaking, creating a problem. And then typically I do this at the races, but particularly if I go some rounds deep into an event, I won't have time to download every run and kind of analyze that data. So I'll take 30 minutes to an hour during the week, download all of those runs, get them in the computer, and, and try to you know kind of go through them with a fine-tooth comb and uh, create... You try to fix any imperfections that I see, plus updating logbooks. Not so much, you know, like typically every run is in the logbook, but I like to update the totals so that I know how many runs are on oil and tires and things like that, just so that I could stay on top of it. And that's just the normal weekly routine. It, almost inevitably, there's something quote unquote wrong or that I want to do differently on each car in addition to that. But that's kind of my baseline checklist to get prepared for the next week's event. And I know that every racer's uh, different and every combination's different. And, and I think everyone's level of comfort with preparation is a little bit different. Do you have anything that you wanted to add to that, Jed, that you do? Well, nothing that I do any different. Actually, this is uh, quite a bit more than I get to do uh, just because of time. And I'm, I don't get to spend a lot of time with a race car. So I'm fortunate just to, to be able to make it to the track before the first time run or whatever. But something I wanted to ask you as I look down your list and listen to you talk about it, like when you're running the valves and doing those things and you talk about, you know, maybe a lifter, you're starting to feel a roller bearing in a in a a lifter giving up or whatever you have a set number of runs where you're just going to change lifters and that's just it it's got to have them i'm not going to wait on a failure because all that plays into your consistency and, and your durability of your racing program so how, how do you approach that just about every part on the car like i try to keep up with the number of runs and kind of have a set point lifter is one thing that while i still feel like they're the the weak link in the common you know like big block chevrolet particularly racing application the geometry has come so far that they don't seem to be as big a problem as they used to be. And maybe lifter technology has come so far. And nowadays, I don't race as much as I used to. So for the most part, I just put a new set in each season, which keep in mind, like I ain't making 200 runs a year anymore on anything. So I don't keep up with it as much. But back, particularly when I had big-headed stuff, like a 12-degree motor, especially at one time we ran an offset lifter in them, and they were awful. I mean, like if I got to the point that I ever made it to 125 runs, they just came out. You know yeah. what I mean? And at that I time, do. the way that I was racing, like that was subject to be six weeks, you know, yes. <laughs> so that got expensive in a hurry. But no, that part of it is going to the SR20 setup and how much happier that geometry is. And then, like I say, I think part of it is uh, is just the technology getting better. I haven't had near the issues in recent years that I used to, but anything like that. Yeah. Like I've got a set amount of runs on tires. I change batteries every winter. I change trans brake solenoids every winter. Like, again, most of that's probably overkill. But I just feel like, and it 
it may be completely mental. That level of preparation, I feel like when I get to the racetrack, it gives me a little bit of an edge. And as if you, whether that's true or not, I think thinking that helps me. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, that increases your cost, at least what appears to increase your cost, but preventing those failures is, right, yeah, is really right. saving you money. Right. So, you know, you encourage anybody to, to try to stay on top of that maintenance and, and keep the hot rod fresh as they can, because uh, although it seems like wasted money sometimes when you pull out a part that isn't broken, it's given up at some point. Um, so when you know it's starting to get fatigued, some really good pre-race program. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to implementing a couple of these things myself. I know it's just kind of standard stuff, but I don't check bolts and things enough, and I obviously don't check my transmission linkage being tied to the cable uh, well enough so i'm going to put that one in my <laughs> in my maintenance program as well and and, and keep in mind too like a lot of this is very combination sensitive like my wife's dragster particularly before we put power to it when she's going 480s 490s like i wouldn't have a second thought about putting 300 350 runs on a set of slicks like that that's fine but yeah and you would think like something like my vega like you just wear them out, but the Vega, any door car for the most part, I think hits the tires so hard that you just wear out sidewalls. And like my Vega, yeah. 125 runs, like tires are kind of done. And it's gonna, like I say, it's gonna be different for every car, so it's just a matter of keeping decent records and keeping up on when things start to go haywire. But it's uh, yeah. it's different for everything. Really cool, great question submitted there, and um, I uh, I appreciate you going through that with us all. It was really good. And before we wrap up, I know this again wasn't part of the show, but l- update us on the Vega. How's the, how's that project coming? Slowly. Okay. Uh, no, it's uh, it's at Jeff Hayes' shop. I actually haven't been over there in three or four weeks to see the latest updates. As soon as I do, I'll get some pictures and get our blog updated. Got big plans. Haven't really ordered a ton of parts. Got some stuff trickling in. But uh, as soon as Jeff's done with it, it will go to um, – Two Boys Blasting, our local powder coater, get powder coated, and then eventually get, I hope our listeners are sitting down, it will end up at the paint shop, and <laughs> it should actually be nice when by the time we're done with it. Yeah, JJ told me some of y'all's discussion about paint this weekend, and uh, um, uh, either way it goes, it's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how it looks. Yeah, I got his vote, and the more that I think about it, I'm liking it. I may I may go right along with JJ's I, suggestion there. I like his vote, too. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> All right, gang, that'll wrap up episode 35. Thanks again to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Racing RVs, Seabrook Performance. As always, thanks to PJ North. For all of the, the musical interludes and the drops that you hear throughout the show, that's all PJ's work. You can find his stuff on iTunes. Thanks to our assistant, Mark Romeo, for his help. Uh, if you've got ideas for the show, message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast page or contact Mark directly on Facebook. As you, most of you, I hope at this point know, we are bringing the podcast to you every week of the calendar year. At least that's our goal. I felt like last week's episode with the Fletcher interview and talking about Chicago was one of our better episodes. And thankfully, it was also one of our most downloaded episodes. So hopefully that's a good representation of what we can do. Builds up our uh, subscriber base a little bit going forward. But again, we'll have something coming to you. Uh, Our goal is every Wednesday to release a new episode. Yep, guys, and be sure to subscribe uh, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe. If you subscribe, then it just alerts you when there's a new show or a new episode, and uh, you can just go right there on your smart device and open it up and listen. Now, uh, I got a couple of messages uh, this week about 
Apple Podcasts or was not letting them download the show. If you know someone that's struggling with that, turns out Mark Romeo, our assistant, figured it out. If you just like close the app altogether and then reopen it or go back and refresh it, then you can download the show. Not sure what happened, just one of those crazy little glitches. But if you know somebody that's happening to, help them with that. And uh, be sure to tell your friends. You know, we want you to spread the word, help get people involved. And I think that's happening out there. It's without fail every time I go to a racetrack now. I mean, it's whether it's local or traveling to I-57 drag strip, people are just telling us how much they love the podcast. And then, guys, it it feels great to know that you're listening and you enjoy what we're doing. So get your friends involved. We really are. It's really awesome. (laughs) So get your friends involved and get your track involved. Uh, we talked about that many times. I would love to see your track playing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast during downtime, all downs, parking time, which we had a lot of uh, Friday morning at the Chegg Summer Door Car Shootout. So I don't know why we wasn't playing it. Luke, uh, shame on us. But <laughs> yeah, no, It's funny. That's, uh, that's not something that came to my mind Friday morning. I didn't have anything else going on. So. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I should have handled that. That's my apologies. But get your track involved, and if they do play it, during the downtime or quiet time, you know, let us know. So we want to give them a shout out on the, on the podcast here. And uh, finally, guys, be sure to join our Facebook community. That's Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. And uh, certainly if you uh, choose to reach out to us on Twitter, we uh, both have handle there. Luke is at Luke Bogacki and I am at JP11X. And uh, we appreciate the interaction that we're getting on uh, Facebook and Twitter from you guys. So keep it coming. We appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. Add us all you want. Yep, absolutely. And that wraps us up, guys. So hope everybody has a great week, and uh, we look forward to catching back up with you next week in the middle. Absolutely. Stay cool wherever you are. It's going to be a hot one. Sure. See you guys. Banging on the door. Bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot-breaking in it. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>